The other thing that I'm less enjoying is I just watched the finale of the last Temptation Island most recent season. I did tear up and had to rethink my entire life. <laughs> okay. Why did you have to rethink your life? You have to go to Temptation Island now? No, because I was <laughs> crying watching Temptation Island. Like, why am I invested in this? Why am I having an emotional reaction? I need to do my life differently. <laughs> Everyone needs that that trashy outlet to just emote. That's true. <laughs> or I hate you all so much. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Whatever it is, you just need to vent it and get it out. That's true. No, I wasn't rethinking like, I need to go to Temptation Island. No way. I was worried about that. I was like, Sarah, Sarah, no, don't do it. Court Potter will be snatched up like that. I know. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I can't meet Marky Mark L. Wahlberg face to face. Sorry, he's such a dud. (laughs) Marky L. Jr. (laughs) Like if your name, if your given name was Mark Wahlberg, and you existed in this universe where there is a Mark Wahlberg who's a famous actor, wouldn't you think like if you're going into show business about like changing your name? Yeah, slightly. I'm just putting the L in there and be like, this will differentiate me for sure. <laughs> They'll know I'm not the Mark Wahlberg because of the L. L- little Marky Wahlberg. <laughs> anyway, that's the update on Temptation Island. But Top Chef is back and it's in Portland this year. So um, I just started that. Oh, did I tell you what I started watching on HBO Max? It's not the great British baking show, but it's the great British potting show. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. Oh my God. It's better than the British baking show. <gasps> oh my God. Because they're throwing pots and, and making, <laughs> making, they're just doing ceramics. It's amazing. And they're all so nice. They're so nice to each other. I can't wait. The Brits are like, they have their issues, but man, are they nice. (laughs) They're just good people. (laughs) Even the trashy ones are so endearing and sweet and have good morals. I know. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. In high school, we were best friends. And now that we're old, we're still best friends. And we both really love the show Friends. We love it so much that we thought we'd rewatch it together and tell you all about it. So join us to find out all the details that two people who weren't there can find out from the internet. Could there there be be better better friends friends watching Friends? I'm really excited to talk about Friends. It's been a long time. I know. I'm so excited to talk about Friends. Even though I have to just preface, I hated this episode. This wasn't my favorite. No. And I actually did some research on why I hated it. Cause I was just like, <laughs> why do I hate this so much? Like what's going on? I hated the story. I hated the <laughs> most of the jokes. Like I thought it didn't hold up well. Like it didn't withhold the test of time. And we'll, we'll talk more about it. But I was just like, I watched it a couple times and I was just like, Ugh, you're all the worst. <laughs> so I was watching this episode just being like, I don't even want to write notes like, uh, and I had to keep pausing it. Just like write notes down. <laughs> what was the name of Eddie's ex-girlfriend? Kim. Tilly. Oh, okay. I just. You said that very confidently. I pulled the name out, out of my head. 
I was like, is it Kim? She looked like you really knew it. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, what did Chandler do to act more like Richard? Grow a mustache. Yeah. Ooh, I don't know this one. What soap opera was Gunther once on? Bold and the Beautiful. All my children. Oh, I don't know. Is Which, that in Friends or do they mean like? No, I think he actor? was. Because really? don't they don't they find out later that he was like, I think they find out later that he was a soap opera star. Oh. And they're they're all talking about like, well, why does he work? Why does he work here? <laughs> well, Joey was a soap opera star and he worked there. So that's true. That's true. Where did Joey find the crib that he gave to Rachel? On the street. Good job. So follow up to Gunther. What character did Gunther play when he was on a soap opera? Like a name or yeah, a, a name. A monster. <laughs> <laughs> It's not Star Trek, actually. <laughs> I just want to know what I'm working with. So, Propers, have you seen Passions? <laughs> they go, they go in weird places. Then monsters and passions. No, but I think there was like a strange little, a little, little boy that was evil. I don't know. He was kind of a monster. I never watched Passions, but that was wasn't that an NBC joint? Maybe. I never watched it either. <laughs> um, okay. I don't know what his name was. No one knows this. Bryce? I, I, no, no one's heard of that. I was going to say Dirk. I don't know why. You got three out of five. That was good. No, you got two, two out of five. five. <laughs> Still. We're failing miserably. Is that passing? Is that a D or is that an F? I, I, th- I think it's F. less than half. <laughs> I can't do fractions. Oh man, what are we even doing? This is season one, episode 12, the one with the dozen lasagnas. It aired January 12th, 1995, directed by Paul Lazarus and written by, okay, get this, Jeff Astroff, Mike Sikowitz, Adam Chase, and Ira Ungerleader. I'm never going to say that name right. It sounds close. Four head writers. Maybe that's why it's not the best. That's my theory. It just seemed very piecemealed together and forced a lot of the time. Yeah, it's it just like, it's not even a memorable one. Like, I know Paolo and Rachel break up, but like, what else even happens? I know. It's okay. There's some. There's some good stuff, but... There were some jokes that I laughed at. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think one of my biggest issues with this episode is that, like, I have no back facts and I have no book facts this time. So, like, I'll just put those sound effects in rapid fire after I say that. But my search history (laughs) when I watched this episode yesterday involves Danielle Steele, Why Do People Eat Placentas, and The Origins of Pringles. (laughs) So when I die, that's my history from yesterday. I'll put it on your urn. Thank you. (laughs) All the things I want to be remembered for. Yep. Yep. Well, let me give a quick summary about the crazy stories that are winding through this. Monica makes a dozen lasagnas for her aunt only to discover that her aunt doesn't eat meat. So now she has to find out what to do with all of them. 
Rachel's relationship with Paulo hits a snag when he makes a pass at Phoebe. Joey breaks his table with his keys and has to go table shopping with Chandler. And everyone knows the sex of Ross's baby, except for Ross, who doesn't want to find out. That really sums it up. So there's a lot happening. And I, I just have to say that the, the dozen lasagnas as like the header, the head, the, the featured story of this episode is just so weak to me. Like there's nothing really there that's driving the story or is like has any kind of depth or is even really funny other than the fact like, oh darn, I have too much food. Yeah. And also like, okay, so Monica and Russ are seemingly very close with their family members. Would they not know that their aunt is a vegetarian? Well, I was wondering like, and maybe this is just part of it. Like we don't know what the dozen lasagnas are for. Yeah. I mean, like maybe she was hosting a party and has a lot of vegetarian friends and just failed to tell Monica. I did think it was really funny though, that when in that first um, scene when Monica was on the phone and she's like, I'm not a caterer. And I was like, not yet. You are, I know, <laughs> but you will be. I was also thinking like, okay, you're not a caterer, but you are a chef and you're making it ahead of time. Like you're not, Kate, you're like bringing stuff over for them to cook. Like it's not that hard. I wasn't I, sure exactly why, like what was <laughs> happening. Also, lasagnas are not hard to make. You literally slap ingredients together and cook it, and it can't turn out terrible. Ashley, this is this lasagna looks so much worse than the one we saw before. I do not know what is going on with these lasagnas. Like, have these people never seen a lasagna before? Like, what? it looks like dog food. It is awful. I'm very upset. Yes. Yeah. They don't fill them to the top. Why don't you fill them to the top? You need a thick lasagna. Come on, people. I mean, then the pan's only like, what, two inches deep? It's yeah, not even it's, like It's a- the shortest <laughs> pan. Although she somehow has a dozen of them. I'm like, I have one. That's you live in New York. How come you have so many? I know. That you're just giving away. Also, they don't really have a big freezer, so they wouldn't be able to, like, freeze it for many months of eating. That's true. So, okay. Did she still get paid? Because I that's a lot of food to buy and make and give away. And, like, what did Aunt Sylvia do? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's no so resolution. Much- there's so many loose ends. I'm very upset about this like non-plot plot. I'm very upset. Right? It's not well thought out. It's just no. thrown together. It's just like, we need something for these people to do. I was, I think I'm more upset that I didn't like the episode than the actual not liking the episode itself. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, I love Friends. I don't want to hate it. But I was getting down on myself because I'm like, I just really can't wrap my head around it and I don't know why so I did some um reading of just reviews of this episode and I feel like a terrible researcher now because I actually didn't write down the name of this site that I got this from but I did credit the author um Randy Dankiewicz and it looked like it was on like fan reviews of shows 
So if I find out, I, I will come back and I will um, give credit where credit is due to that group. But it, he's the author of Second Look, Friends, the one with the dozen lasagnas and the one with the boobies, colon, the anti-Paolo. That's what the article's called. Oh. And he is kind of my soulmate. <gasps> So he wrote about how because four writers are credited, which it happens to be the most for any non-season finale or double episode in the entirety of the show's run. His theory is that that this episode went through so many revisions in the writing process that it's like too many voices being crammed into the short 22 minutes of of the show. The big thing that I agreed with that I wrote down was that there's just too many gay jokes running throughout the entire thing. It's like they just leaned so heavily on that, both with Susan and Carol, and then also with the whole storyline with Joey and Chandler buying the table together. It just was like, it was like overwrought, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of got old and like, I, I think that's where it doesn't stand up the test of time. It's just like, okay, enough. Yeah. But so anyway, that was, that was the big thing that I, that I took away. But the thing that I loved about his whole review was that there was one little section about the, the fashion in the show that I had to share with you okay. because it's like, it came out of our mouths. Oh, yay. Randy. So this is a direct quote. What the f- was Chandler wearing in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> Neon flannel, short sleeve button down, tucked into blue jeans with a brown woven belt. It was like the early 90s threw up on his skin. And I was like, Sarah could have said that. Oh my God, I was going to say that sounds exactly like you. Like he might, sorry, Tyler, this guy might be your soul. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I have some big issues with the, the jeans, with the like westerny short sleeve shirt, whatever that is. Oh, we'll talk more about it because I wrote down some things too. <laughs> um, that was very close to what, what our friend Randy said. Bad job, friends. Um, I do have a couple perky facts. <gasps> Tell me because I have none. <sighs> okay. So first perky fact, because it is the one with the dozen lasagnas, it's also the 12th episode. So that's kind of fun. And it aired on the 12th. Oh, I didn't even catch that. This is also the first episode to show that Phoebe's occupation as a masseuse in her place of work. And Aunt Phil was one that... I think there is an Aunt Sylvia referenced in a couple other episodes in season two and season three, but it, they reference her as Aunt Sylvia in those. So I think they're talking about the same, the same aunt. Didn't Monica also, maybe I read this. I I thought I read that Monica inherited that dollhouse from Aunt Sylvia. Yes. Yes. That was one of them. Okay. Um, and I think the other one was the one with old yeller. So anyway, I, I have to look at, I, I'd love to do like a family tree of like all of their, all of their family members so that we can track it a little bit. That's a good idea. But I'm pretty sure that Aunt Syl is mentioned in other episodes. She comes back. 
My last fact is that um, even though in a previous episode, the apartment numbers were 19 and 20, in this episode, they're back to four and five. I didn't catch it until I was doing some research and then I went, had to go back and watch it again. So there's a theory about this because the actor that was playing Paulo, we had a like a Paulo break mm-hmm. in some of the episodes. So um, there's a theory that it may be because that the actor playing Paulo wasn't available for re- like scheduling this recording of this episode. So they recorded his scenes coming into the apartment on, like earlier. Oh. So it was before the switch happened. And so now those those apartment numbers are out of order. Interesting. I did not catch that. Great job. Yeah. I hate Paolo so much. Oh my God. He is so slimy. Like so gross. the first time we meet him in the blackout, I'm kind of like, he's all right. He's got that thing, like that exotic thing. But then like his hair just gets greasier and his clothes Ugh. get worse. And like, he gets just smarmy and gross. And no, thank you. No, I wish I was, I wish I was in that, in their kitchen when each one of them sends him off in some other, like in their own wonderful little passive aggressive fashion. I loved that. That was good. There were some moments in this one, like as much as I say, I didn't like it. Cause at the end I got, I was like, I feel like this wasn't my favorite episode, but I don't think I'm going to say that. And then when you said it, I was like, oh, okay. It wasn't just me. There were still some things in it that were pretty good. The opening scene was pretty good, I thought. The opening scene was great. I didn't know what the song was. I did know it because I was a um, Nick at Night and then TV Land back when I was in like middle school and high school. And I would watch I Love Lucy and Dick Van Dyke and I Dream of Jeannie, Bewitched, all those things. Like I grew up on all of those. And um, I knew it was Odd Couple. What I liked about them singing Odd Couple was that this, that show was also set in New York, but Matthew Perry started starred in a revival of The Odd Couple in 2015 to 2017. Really? Yeah, I never saw it. I didn't even know that happened. Was he the messy one or the clean one? Hold please, I'm going to tell you. He played Oscar. Oh, so Thomas Lennon was the other guy. I think he was the uptech. Who is Tom? He's from Reno 911, the guy with the short shorts. Oh, I love him. Yeah. I I think he was the, I think Felix is the uptight one. And Matthew Perry played Oscar, who's the messy one. Okay. Oh, I had no idea. I mean, I did think it was really sweet. While they're singing, like, what are they all doing? Was kind of obsessed with trying to figure that out. (laughs) What'd you find? Well, I mean, I was just, I just watched it over and over, but I'm like, (laughs) they're all kind of independently reading something except Phoebe, who's just playing with a napkin, which is like the second time you see, you see her do that. She's playing Mm -hmm. with a napkin on the table, like folding it like into weird origami. And Rachel's just sitting there not working. Instead, she's writing something on her notepad that she takes orders on. And I'm like, what are you writing? You're just like, are you doodling? (laughs) Oh my God. At 17 seconds, I paused it. The woman who, the barista who's behind the counter, 
she gives like the most angry side eye to Rachel, seemingly like, F you, like, what are you doing? It's really good. And I actually realized as we were starting to get into this that she might be the same woman who comes back in the one with um, where Monica and Ross go dance at the New Year's Rock and Eve. Yes. The one that dances by. But freaks up on Zoe. Yeah. She looked similar. I'll find out. I don't know if it's the same person, but now that, like, as soon as I started thinking about her again, I was like, is that the same woman? It's probably not, but that's what she looked like. She was pissed. Oh, I would be too. Because again, what time is it? And why aren't you working? (laughs) Monica's reading like just a one sheet, like one piece of mail. She's just got like an unfolded letter. She's just sitting reading this one piece of paper. I don't know. Also, okay, so these people are singing the song and seemingly not one other person in the entire coffee house notices or looks up or like is aware and they're kind of loud. And it it made me think, so a couple of years ago, there was a, um, the, on the anniversary, it was like the 25th anniversary of Friends, they were doing these um, Central Park pop-ups all over the country. And one came to Seattle and Court and I went and um, just to get a coffee and like see it. And they had an orange couch in there. And there were these three girls in the corner who were singing the Friends theme song. And like everybody was looking at them. Yeah. There were just like three girls in the corner. And I was like, this is six people in the middle of this coffee shop. Nobody's noticing. I don't believe it. Yeah. Everyone would be looking at them. Yeah. Not maybe not with contempt like the barista, but they'd be like, <laughs> What are they doing? Yeah, what's happening? Yeah, I love also that nobody who is born like in the 2000s has any idea what song that is. I mean, I didn't, and I was born in the <laughs> that's 80s. true, that's true. <laughs> I've never seen an episode of The Odd Couple though. Um, I actually looked it up because I was like, I don't even understand what the melody is necessarily. I'm like, have I heard this? Am I just hearing it wrong? So I actually watched it on YouTube. And yeah, I had never heard it before. That was the first Really? Time. Oh, it's funny. There's like an uptight guy and a messy guy and they're roommates. And it's like hilarity ensues. That's about it. <laughs> Felix and Oscar. Okay. Maybe someday I will watch it, but probably not. That's okay. I mean, if you haven't seen it at this point, I don't know that there's really a point to watching it. Ross doing his like, was so good. I really loved that. Yeah. But then after they're done with Odd Couple, do you know what song he tries to pivot to? Wasn't it Bewitched? Or no, I Dream of Jeannie. Yeah. I did watch I Dream of Jeannie and bewitched but like the way that he moves his neck too when he's like doing it was really funny and everyone hates him they're like nope we're done after the opening credits that's when we jump into monica on the phone with aunt sill saying that now she has all these lasagnas the only thing that i noticed there was that like courtney cox did a great job of pretending to be on the phone i agree she did a good job of like taking pauses that weren't too long and weren't too short and it seemed believable and I don't know, talking on the phone fakely seems hard. So I'm always impressed with the fake phone call. I used to pretend 
If I was walking down the street and I was like, I think this person's following me. I need to like be on the phone with somebody or I like, I don't know, just being paranoid or like awkward. And I would try and pretend to be on the phone. And it's real hard to sound authentic. Like you're having a conversation with nobody. Well, especially in that scenario where you're worried about your safety, like you can't really focus on a, a fake yeah. conversation. Yeah, that's true. I think it's like, it's just a lot of like, uh-huh. Oh, oh yeah. No. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh, you're going to come pick me up right now. Okay. <laughs> yes, I do have a switchblade on me. I'm glad you asked. Yes. I do carry it with me at all times. <laughs> and mace in my pocket. <laughs> I never did the fake phone call walking down the street. That's a good idea. I always felt like being on my phone when I was walking down the street was unsafe. And so I would like try to not be on the phone, but I, my mom taught me to put my keys between my fingers when I was uh -huh. walking, so I do that. Yeah, I do that sometimes too. So I will say though that Monica, she looks really good in like that burgundy color. Oh man, I am so excited. I may vomit. I felt like it complimented her skin tone. You, you hate it, huh? Hate it. <laughs> hate it. Was it burgundy? I thought it was all brown. And no, it was like a red. It was like a like a dark reddish color. It looked very brown, and I was just like, Ansel's upset about these meat lasagnas, but she should be upset about this outfit because it is awful. And not only is she wearing like the color of her shirt and her pants is the same, she's then got a long sleeve shirt tied around her waist that's also the same color. Well, the style of the thing and the material, I wasn't a fan of, but. <laughs> Maybe my TV is too bright. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I, I'm wondering if the settings are off and it makes the colors, I don't know, distorted. <laughs> oh my God, the couple on uh, How Did This Get Made, they watched some movie, I can't remember which one it was, but they thought it was like very artsy because it was like super dark and they couldn't see anything. And it took them like days to figure out that the lighting on their TV was just off. And they were like, this is a weird choice. Like you can't even see their faces. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's probably what's happening. It's just like too bright. It looked, it looked all brown to me and I was, uh, I was offended. Okay. You know what? I'll give it to you. But also, okay, I'm sorry. Even if it's burgundy, like, why are we wearing a shirt and pants that are the same color and then tying a shirt around our waist that's also the same color? That's true. I concede. You're right. <laughs> you can like it. You have every right to like it. I just liked my TV colors. <laughs> that's really all it was. It has nothing to do with her wardrobe. Is this where Ross starts talking about being dropped into a woman's uterus without a compass? Yes. It, and I wrote, it's the start of weird and gross writing. Because <laughs> I hate this scene so much. Why would you even have this discussion? This is like the opposite of that my dad wrote a porno guy. Have you listened to my dad wrote a porno? Yeah. He knows nothing about female anatomy. This is like too much about female. Like, I don't need you to go in there with a without a compass. Like, that's fine. It's yeah. And he's just like... And I can find my way out like that. It's like, okay, that's too much. I think the whole point was that he's done so much reading that he knows all about all the anatomy and what happens during the growing of baby and birthing process. 
However, what really just seals the deal on this episode at being like the most disgusting is when Phoebe talks about then eating the placenta and Chandler says that he's done with his yogurt. And I was just like, that was not necessary, people. Yeah. Sorry, crossing a line. Okay, so I did some research about what is known as placentophagy. <laughs> Say that again? <laughs> Placentography? Was that too quick for you? <laughs> Let's put it on one and a half speed. <laughs> Placentophagy. That's what it's called when you eat your placenta. Okay, so I have questions. Yeah, no, tell me about it. <laughs> Is this of interest to you to ingest this thing? Nope. But I, funny enough, I did do some research about the pill form. <laughs> yeah. Because you can, you can take it and go and have it dried and like ground up into pills and that's supposed to be good for you. Did you not do it just because you didn't? Or did you find a reason not to? Or I didn't care enough to do so. And I felt like I anticipated the fact that after such a traumatic event, I would just want that to be medical waste. I think that's 100% a fair point. Did you see it? Did you look at it? Uh, I did not see mine, but I saw my sister-in-law's when my nephew was born. So I did not need to see mine. Right. I had, I had that experience and that is, was enough. I feel like trying to ingest it in any form, I would just recall the image of what it looks like and be like, oh, like I can't get it down. It would, but okay. So what I found, I did some research on like, literally, why do people eat placentas? Like, I just was curious. Where did this come from? Um, there is no known recorded placenta eating in human history until the 1970s. Oh, dear God, that is so terrifying to me. And I feel like we know a lot about what's recorded. Like, there's a lot of stuff recorded that is not at all. The existing research indicates that it is done, this will shock you to your core, not at all. It's almost exclusively married, heterosexual, middle, upper class white women in the global north. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I know. Okay, so they said, and I don't have the, I didn't write down the reference for this. I'm so sorry. If you Google, why do people eat placentas? This will come up and you'll find it. Um, But they said, what they found was people usually decide to eat their placentas because they either previously had or felt they were at risk of a negative experience during birth and postpartum. Um, most commonly, these women uh, had existing mental health problems or had previously experienced uh, postpartum depression and they were worried about it coming back. And the rationale is that in the immediate period postpartum, the birthing parent experiences a large and sudden drop in pregnancy-related hormones that can result in low mood and energy. And the placenta produces a lot of those hormones. And so re-ingesting it could potentially replace them. Okay, that makes logical sense. I don't know if it's medically proven or not. But if, yeah, but if you ingest it, do, do you then get those same hormones? I don't know if that happens. It's a thing that 
comes out of your body for a reason, I feel like. Like, do those hormones, are they still potent if they're coming out of you? Like, if your body is designed to have it come out. Why are you putting it back in? Yeah. Well, and like, our bodies are pretty sophisticated. Like, we grow life. Like, you would think if your body, if your body needed what was in there, like, that sack would, I don't know, is a sack, right? Right? Placenta sack? Yeah, that's sure. What we call it? I don't know. Yeah. But that thing would like somehow stay attached inside of you and you would like reabsorb it if it was something you needed, right? Well, yeah. Well, it's it's something the baby needed. Right? Mm-hmm. That, essentially, like it was, that is what contained all of the nutrients that was sucked out of the mother during <laughs> during the pregnancy. Yeah. And trust me, I remember feeling this, like, I'm like, I have to keep taking all of these hardcore multivitamin supplements because I can like literally feel all my energy <laughs> and, and like nutrients being sucked out of me. And it all probably is contained within the placenta. So I can see why upper class white women of in, well, in the global North would <laughs> logically think oh that's where all the nutrients are that I lost I need those back because I'm tired (laughs) right are there not other ways to get those like do we even know through science that they are still in there that they're still potent that they're still usable nutrients like to go back in your body no yeah because if it's being shed it seems like your body would have evolved if it was something that your body could reabsorb and need it back. It seems like your body would evolve to keep it. I agree. Um, it's something that needs to be done. <laughs> but no shame if you ate yours. I'm just very curious about the whole thing. So I know the Kardashians, some of them did it. Oh, no, thank you. So good for them. I just wanted to, a bunch of like cereal and strawberries. <laughs> That's how I regained my nutrients. What kind of cereal? Cheerios. Plain Cheerios with strawberries was like all I ate during my pregnancy. <laughs> After this horrific exchange of dialogue, Joey, again, I'm so team Joey, but like Joey reinvigorated the episode for a little while with his little two inch baby Mm -hmm. his smile while he's doing this whole thing about like baby (laughs) what you with mommy (laughs) his smile is so genuine and adorable he's just like I am totally making you squirm and you are hating this and I am loving every minute looks it almost looks like it's LeBlanc and not uh-huh. Joe. like it looks like he's really ribbing him yeah like they're really ribbing each other as real people yes yeah it's good I did like right before that Monica when she's on the phone with Aunt Sil she says um like oh you kiss Uncle Freddie with that mouth and she has like a little bit of a New York accent on that the way a mobster would say it like you go up at mouth like mouth? kiss Uncle Freddie with that mouth or you know you know what I mean? I can't sound like a gangster, but um, it was it was a great little uh, New York accent from Courtney Cox. Who does nice. not have one. She did a good job. Very authentic. Yes. But back when Joey's ribbing Ross, um, I said like, 
Joey's rubbing him about like not the baby not living with him and living with his lesbian mom and like how funny that is and I just said like too soon Joey yeah yeah he's a little it's not fun like just like she's a lesbian that's the whole joke it's yep didn't age well (laughs) but that's how it keeps going throughout the episode uh, and just when we thought it could, it might get better, Paolo locks in. Uh, all I wrote was Paolo is Paolo is gross again. And he and Rachel are so gross and so annoying. Oh my god. I was like the Poconos whole exchange. I was like, I was so on board with just the boys being like, bleh, yeah. Bleh, bleh. yeah, me too. <laughs> I also, this is a little like quip about me, until I was like a couple years ago old, I didn't know that the Poconos was a place. I thought it was like a hotel or like a resort. I thought that too. I actually had to look up, I was like, (laughs) I think I Googled what's the big deal about the Poconos and why does everyone vacation there? I didn't even know where it was. I was like, is this on the East Coast somewhere? Is it Connecticut? Is it like... Something like Martha's Vineyard, like what is it? Why does everyone go? And so it's actually in Pennsylvania. Oh. Yeah. And so it is an area of Pennsylvania that's home to more than 80% of the state's resort. So it's like a resort region. Okay. And according to the Google is maybe one of the most beautiful places in Pennsylvania. Okay. So some of the things that I, I, I looked at a couple different sites just as to like, what's the big deal about the Poconos? Here are some of the lists of things that the Poconos have. Lots of outdoor space, snow and sun, castles, beautiful mountains, beautiful people, flea markets, waterfalls, and small town charm. Oh, I'm in. Flea markets and waterfalls? Here I come. <laughs> small town charm. That's small town charm. Great. Yeah, I definitely thought Martha's Vineyard was also just like a like a hotel or something for a long time. Like I didn't know that was like a place. I thought it was a house on the beach owned by a lady <laughs> named Martha. <laughs> no, that's not it. But I I think the big thing about the Poconos is that like you can vacation there at any time of the year. It has like some of the best skiing on the eastern side of the United States. Okay. Um, But also there is like lots of boating, which I don't know what lakes or I don't know what's there, but like people do go boating and do all uh, all those things too. So there's lots of sun, sun and mountains and hiking and... It said there was a very high likelihood that hikers you would see would be wearing both shorts and mittens at the same time. That's like Washington. (laughs) Um, Well, to answer your question, it looks like Lake Erie is on one side of Pennsylvania. Oh, so okay. That's probably nearby. I had to look up a US map because I was like, does Pennsylvania touch New York? I don't know geography and it does. I don't know um, any of that side of the U.S. at all. No, me either. I barely know our surrounding neighbors. I I thought Colorado was like right next to like California, Nevada, Oregon. Like I thought it was like right there and it's definitely not. 
pretty far away. <laughs> I didn't know that till we were like getting ready to go there. And I was like, wait, this is really far. And Court was like, yeah, do you not know a map? I'm like, no, I don't know maps. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is not where I excel in my brain power. Also, um, a drawing on a map does not equal distance to me. That's my biggest failing. I'm like, California's only this big. It takes 13 hours to drive border to border. Rachel says her sister has a place, place in the Poconos. Which one? Yeah, I'm curious which one. And also we never hear about it again. And like, neither of her sisters could have bought, like it must've been her dad bought a place that they just used. But like, why don't they ever go there? That's a good catch. I didn't even track that. And then when she's saying, I'm feeling things I've only read about in Daniel Steele books, she says Daniel. Oh, not Danielle. And I was like, shouldn't she know based on the previous one where she's going on and on to Chandler's mom about how she loves romance novels. Come on, Rachel. When they jumped to Ross and he's like, I'm so nauseous. Ugh. I, I was just like, thinking about how he's really starting to get so creepy and so obsessive jealous and like he's so upset that he's physically nauseous and like Ross do you know there's something that you could do yeah plant the seed so that the like that can splinter apart their relationship (laughs) because she'll she'll keep thinking about it and then he's oh I'm gonna call immigration and this behavior like spoiler alert this is why Rachel leaves him because he's so obsessive and so jealous it's too much it's too much yeah he just just grow a pair be a man and tell her how you feel that will mess with her head so much that she'll spiral all the time thinking about him and what like what a good friend he is and all of the things that go through a girl's mind and she'll eventually get on the age of ross yep but you can't expect her to do that unless you put in the work. Right. Again, he, we've said this so many times. He like, he asked her if he could ask her out. They went out, she kissed him and he did nothing. And so like you effed it up yourself. Like this is your fault. And he had the, had the chance when Paulo during the blackout, the perfect chance. And, And Paulo took that chance, was able to do it. He, he stepped up. As much as I hate the guy, but I agree. Ross is just sitting there complaining yeah. and that in itself is such a turnoff. Yeah. It's like, stop it. Just have the confidence to tell her that you love her and let it be. Yep. Just be like, I'm sorry. I just have to tell you this. I know you're in a relationship, but I can't go any longer without just telling you this is how I feel. Then it's not in your hands anymore. And then you just stop being awful I know it's so infuriating there's an extended scene on the dvd like very short right after this where Paulo comes out of the bathroom and sees ugly naked guy making shadow puppets does he say I didn't watch the dvds on this one does Paolo say that he says something in Italian like gesturing towards the window and is like come see come see and someone else says oh, he's making shadow puppets and they all run over and Ross like, is just like, you can go and like for the boys and they like run over and they're like, oh, it looks like Abraham Lincoln. Ross, you can't even go see the shadow puppets. It has nothing to do with Paolo. 
No, he's so mopey. He's mopey Ross that he's just like, oh, I'm going to sit here and be sad and complain while you guys go see the weirdness. I feel like I have no indifferent, there's no episodes where I'm indifferent on Ross. I either like love Ross and it's so amazing or it's like what the actual. I agree. No wonder she doesn't want to be with you. I know because you're not giving her anything to work with. Oh, Team Joey right now. I love when he's just like gushing about babies. Joey loves babies. And he actually looks really like a young, hot 20-something actor right there. He looks really good right there. Yes, I said his hair is very floofy and he looks great. Is that the bar for looking great? Is it floofy or not floofy? No, I think it's just like, it's like, it's, it's flopped over in a really good way. Like a not caring, like I kind of just woke up, like I've got this kind of tight t-shirt, like mm-hmm. I'm kind of. And I'm talking about babies. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's ovaries are exploding. Yeah. <laughs> or at least this one's over here. This is where I saw the lasagna the Chandler's holding. And I was like, that looks like what Ross was wanting to barf up when he was nauseous. Like It looks so terrible. Like, why can't Monica make a normal-looking lasagna? It's, like, really not that hard. And she's a chef. Maybe she's not a very good chef yet. You know when they um they later make lasagna and Rachel loses a nail in it and they have to find it? Oh, yeah, and, like, crunch it up. Yeah, that's what it looks like has been done to this thing. Ugh. Well, they walk into the, into the boys' apartment and <laughs> Joey throws his keys on the table and it immediately collapses. And I'm just like, how did this table hold anything? I love that this comes back later when his fridge breaks. Oh. And how he's like trying to get people to pay for his fridge. Like this is, it's canon for Joey. Like it holds true that he, things break. And then he's like, well, we have to do this together. Yeah, I love it. Are we ready to go to Susan and Carol's? Yes. Where Ross is bringing them a lasagna. And he lies about being vegetarian because he hates Susan so much. Oh my God. He is obviously still bitter. At 529, that Pringles can is still prominently displayed in the kitchen. Yeah. So then I did a deep dive on Pringles. Tell me all about it. I love Pringles. And it's like, I just the original flavor. I love them so much. And when you were visiting, we got some at Trader Joe's. They had their own Pringles and they were not as good. They didn't hold up. They're too thick, I think. Too thick and they didn't have the same fake flavoring, <laughs> the, the fake French fry, French fry flavoring. So I was just telling Court this last night. I didn't know that was a thing until you told me that there's a French fry flavoring. It is. And I only learned it from the book Fast Food Nation. Mm-hmm. about artificial flavoring and what they do to like grab the essence of the flavor <laughs> but it's the same exact I, I swear it's the same exact flavor that mcdonald's french fries use is in pringles that's why those things are so good you can't get that flavor in nature anywhere nope <laughs> you need it from a lab <laughs> it's only <laughs> chemicals so when I tried to make french fries myself, I'm like, these are awful. I don't want to eat these. This is so unsatisfying. <laughs> What's the point? Okay, so Pringles. <clears throat> Here's a brief, brief sort of long history of Pringles. 
They were originally sold by Procter and Gamble in 1968, and they were originally marketed as Pringles Newfangled Potato Chips. In 1956, Procter and Gamble assigned a task to chemist Frederick J. Bauer. They tasked him to develop a new kind of potato chip to address consumer complaints about broken, greasy, and stale chips, as well as air in the bags. This guy spent two years developing saddle-shaped chips from fried dough. So they're not actually from potatoes. Um, It's a dough made from potato starch, I think. Uh, and he selected the tubular can as the chips container, but he could not figure out how to make them taste good. And he was pulled off the task to work on something else. So a few years later in the mid sixties, another researcher, Alexander Lipa of Montgomery, Ohio, uh, restarted the work and succeeded in proving the taste. This mechanical engineer, Gene Wolfe, was an author of science fiction and fantasy novels. He developed the machine that helps cook the chips. So the saddle shape is mathematically known as a hyperbolic paraboloid, and the designers reportedly used supercomputers to ensure that the chip's aerodynamics would keep them in place during packaging so that they would not break when being stacked on top of each other. Wow. There's like so much more work that went into Pringles than I knew. (laughs) So I, I, I think that I knew that they were made out of like compressed potato starch like they were not actual potatoes because the texture is very unique yeah it's not like greasy and chippy it's I want to say cardboardy but in a good way like a very thin fragile cardboard (laughs) yes particle board maybe (laughs) like a delicate particle (laughs) just like a hint of asbestos in it (laughs) <laughs> or whatever. Okay, so they started selling Pringles in Indiana in 1968, and by 1975 they were available across most of the U.S. And in 1991 started being distributed internationally. So their original name was Pringles Newfangled Potato Chips, but other snack manufacturers objected, saying that Pringles failed to meet the definition of a potato chip because they were based. They were made out of a potato-based dough instead of sliced potatoes like, quote-unquote, real potato chips. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration waited on the matter and in 1975 ruled that Pringles could only use the word chip in their product name within the phrase, potato chips made from dried potatoes. Faced with such a lengthy and unpalatable appellation, Pringles eventually renamed their product Potato Crisps instead of Potato Chips. And that fares well in England. Oh, there's more about that. Don't oh. worry. Uh, this we can cut some of this, but it's pretty interesting. There's like so much, I have so much information about Pringles. <laughs> I find it fascinating. Uh, in April 2011, Procter and Gamble agreed to sell Pringles for 2.35 billion to Diamond Foods of California which would have more than tripled the size of Diamond Snack Business, but the deal fell through. And in 2012, Kellogg officially acquired Pringles for $2.695 billion. Oh my goodness. And that, the acquisition of Pringles made Kellogg the second largest snack company in the entire world. As of 2015, there are five Pringles factories worldwide, Jackson, Tennessee, one in Belgium, one in Malaysia, one in Poland, and one in China. Okay, so here's what makes up Pringles. I thought you'd like this. They have 42% potato content, 
the remainder being wheat starch and flour, potato, corn, and rice flour combined with vegetable oil, an emulsifier, salt, and seasoning. Other ingredients can include maltodextrin, dextrose, some stuff I can't pronounce, um, artificial flavors, uh, malted barley flour, wheat bran, dried black beans, sour cream, cheddar, etc. They also have all these varieties I've never heard of. <laughs> In other countries? Well, and here too, I think. In the 90s, corn Pringles were available. They had a black canister oh. with a cartoon image of corn on them. The chips were made of corn and resembled a corn chip in flavor and texture. And in the UK, rice Pringles were also available, but have since been discontinued. No one likes a rice chip. <laughs> a rice cannot be a chip, just like it can't be a milk. Sorry. <laughs> PSA. Some better friends. So they've also had tortilla and multigrain varieties. Until the 80s, the only the original flavor was available in the US. Standard flavors as of 2020 include original, salt and vinegar, sour cream and onion, cheddar, ranch dressing, barbecue, hot and spicy, and loaded baked potato. Some of the limited market flavors, this is what I loved. Prawn cocktail, Ugh. wasabi, <laughs> curry, those are only available in the UK and Ireland. Dude, the UK has weird flavored chips. Very weird. And Canada has like weird Kit Kats. Okay, so other, so some other seasonal limited edition runs that they've done are ketchup, zesty lime and chili, chili cheese dog, pizza-licious, paprika, Texas barbecue sauce, buffalo wing, and Cajun. Did you say chili cheese dog? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Real gross. <laughs> Compress all the things together and just like, put it in a tube. Shape of your tongue. Just lay it right on there. Oh no. They've also done low fat varieties. Um, jalapeno, honey mustard, cheesy fries, onion blossom, mozzarella cheese stick, Screamin' Dill Pickle, Mexican Layered Dip. And in 2012, this was so gross. They had seasonal flavors of peppermint white chocolate, cinnamon <laughs> pumpkin pie spice. No, 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 no. Ashley, they also did a soft shell crab flavor. <laughs> oh, my. oh, no. And a blueberry and hazelnut. And a lemon and sesame. <laughs> they did grilled shrimp ones that were pink. <laughs> I don't like it. And that's all I know about Pringles. I am so glad you went on that deep dive. I noticed some things in the background at their at their apartment too that I hadn't noticed before. The the biggest thing was like. A, a bowl that looked like lettuce. Maybe it was a salad bowl, but it was just it just insanely ugly. And I couldn't stop staring at it during the scene when he comes up to her like and like feels her belly. When Ross comes up and is like, oh, like, how are you doing? And there is an extended scene right here that was cut 
He goes up and completely like fondles her breasts. He like grabs her belly and then grab. he's like 19 weeks and then like, like puts his hands up and his like breasts starting to swell. And then he pulls away and he's like, according to the literature. And I was just like, that was too far. Yeah. I'm so glad they cut that because it was like borderline offensive. Yeah. And I know they've been together, like they were together, but like, you're not now and you have no right. I don't like that. I didn't even see that scene and I don't like it. Let's just. Well, so even in the, the normal, the normal cut of the, of the show, he like kind of like embraces her and then keeps his hands on her hips. And it was like, even that I was like, Oh no, no, no. I don't. Yeah. It's you're lingering. I don't like it. Yeah. Such a creeper. I feel like pregnant women also just like are subject to like too much touching, like unsolicited touching. Um, like, oh, like you're pregnant, so anyone in the world can just go and like touch your stomach. It's not okay. Like, if my stomach is flat, you're not allowed to come touch it. Why are you allowed to touch it when it's round? Like, why? What gives you the right to touch me anytime you feel like it? No thanks. Yeah. Also, this is my baby. Yeah. You can't touch my baby either <laughs> unless you ask me. Yeah. God. So anyway, PSA people, don't go up and just like touch pregnant women in any way. Amongst all of that touching, did you happen to notice Carol's shirt that she is wearing oh man i am so excited i may vomit the green velvet tent she's pregnant like you can still put decent clothing on her everyone in this episode is wearing velvet turtlenecks like what are we doing (laughs) i never wore velvet turtlenecks in the 90s was this like a cool thing or i have to say it if i'm pregnant i don't want a goddamn turtleneck on for sure because your hormones are all over the place you're like so hot you don't want like a shirt strangling you You, I wore I think I well granted we live in Sacramento but I think I only wore spaghetti strap shirts because I was just like I'm gonna wear the least amount of clothes as possible because I'm running hot I would never wear velvet oh my god no well so i have a question why doesn't ross want to know the sex of his baby he is so such a control freak in so many other ways why did why doesn't he want to know it seems like he doesn't want to know only because they want to know although it's only affecting him it's not affecting anyone else they seem perfectly excited yeah and that's what I didn't, I like, it kind of didn't track for me. I was just like, why, why? And you know, it's funny later when him and Rachel are pregnant. Although I, I hate when people are like, we are pregnant. No, no. One of, one, one of you is pregnant. The other one did it. Yeah. When Rachel is pregnant with their baby, they decide not to know the sex and he spills the beans to her. Yep. He finds out. Yep. I I know I like that that came around 
switcheroonie. So Susan then walks in and she's, did you notice she's carrying a portfolio? Yes. When she came in, I realized like, I have no idea what she does. And I don't think I've ever thought about what does Susan do? I think I read somewhere that it's referenced that she is a photographer. That's interesting. I read on um, friends.fandom.com, which is actually where I get a lot of information on these episodes because someone did a great job curating there. It's like the Wikipedia for friends. Oh, nice. But that on this episode, it says that she works in advertising. And so I was wondering if maybe she did art for, for an advertising agency, which would make sense about photography. Totally. Because that all connects. So yeah. Yeah, because she doesn't seem like a salesperson or a copywriter. So mm. the art, that would make sense. She's very arty. Yeah. Um, I do love how when she comes in, she just completely blows past Ross. <laughs> like she like basically pushes him aside to just like greet Carol. And he, he just looks so bitter, like so mad. Carol has the most 90s hair I've ever seen. She has not just a scrunchie, but also a topsy tail ponytail. Do you remember topsy? No. You don't know topsy tail? No. Okay, so it's this. I have one. I went on an eBay dive a couple years ago when I was reminded of topsy tail and was like, I need that. So it's the. It's like, it's like a a, a plastic stick with a, a big like loop at the top, and so you put your ponytail through and you pull it, pull it through. Yeah. Okay, I used to do that without the tool. Oh, I can't. <laughs> like I'd pull the ponytail out and make a hole and then like shove it in. Yeah, I can't do that. Um, I'm incompetent. So I have a topsy tail and I was like, man, I need to get that out. Maybe I'm gonna wear my hair like that well, tomorrow. Yeah, um, but she had it with a scrunchie. With a scrunchie, yeah. Oh, it's nice. very 90s. There's a, there's a thing about this scene that really bothered me. And I don't know if you noticed, but Carol and Susan both lick their lips a lot during their dialogue. But they full on like move the tongue around the edge of the mouth. I don't even like hearing you say that. I know. I know. That's so gross. Anyway, it was a huge distraction for me during this. Weird. Scene. I didn't like it. Gross. But when Ross is freaking out about the sex of the baby. Um, his physical comedy is very good. Oh, so good. That. I mean, it's yeah. always good. The best part of the scene is when he leaves and he kisses the belly. He kisses Carol and then he punches. <laughs> he, he gives like a bro punch to Susan. It, that was the best. I love it. Then we go to Joey and Chandler's and like, have they even attempted to figure out what is actually wrong with the table? Like, yeah. is it fixable? It's just, like, yeah. laying on the side, on the ground. Like, the keys broke it. Maybe it was just, like, I, I don't know. Could we fix the leg? Like, what? They probably just lost a screw. And that's all it is. And they're like, <laughs> well, that's done. They have no skills to even try <laughs> or, or motivation. But I do love that they're sitting knee to knee staring the pan of lasagna across their laps and just eating out of the pan it's strangely intimate very sweet and sad and funny (laughs) it's a really good insight to their friendship because like their knee their knees are clearly touching and they don't care they're just like oh we're just eating this thing like we're like clearly just functional 
Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't need a table. We're just doing this. Okay. So this is where Joey's later argument about his fridge comes in where he's like trying to get everyone to pay for his fridge. Where he's talking to Chandler about like, well, we should get it together. And Chandler is even afraid of committing to a table. He's so afraid of commitment. Chandler's talking about having bought a hibachi with his old roommate, Kip, who then ran off and got married and things got really ugly. And so he like doesn't want to commit to the table with Joey because he, he got like burned in that situation. Okay, so ScreenRant.com, there's this article by Kara Haddish um, that develops this theory. And she's talking about how Chandler's commitment issues actually stem from this letdown from his roommate and his relationship with Kip rather than because of his parents. So like a lot of people think his commitment issues are because of his parents, but Kip is supposedly as close to Chandler as Joey becomes. And so having Kip run out on him, um, that like was very unexpected and left him like seemingly heartbroken. And so this woman, Kara, she's arguing that Chandler avoids commitment because he fears future abandonment, especially when it comes to women because he relates that situation to the details around Kip's departure. Um, and so this could explain why Joey and Chandler become such fast friends because Chandler realizes Joey's a womanizer and is not a threat to leave. And so then they get that quick bond. I kind of love that. They are so close. I just have a, like the hibachi. I'm sorry that I'm coming back to the <laughs> hibachi thing, but I just thought of something like it's a, that's a grill, like a high, high heat grill, right? You have to do that outside. I look, I, I just looked up a picture of it and I was like, I think you would need adequate ventilation. Well, so the one that I had was like a kind of the size of a shoebox. So it was very small. And you could do it inside. I mean, I think you have to put coals in it. So maybe you shouldn't be doing it inside. Where in the world would they grill? Like when would they use it? They don't have a balcony. Right. Great question. Sorry. Sorry. I just got stuck on that for a minute. But going back to his commitment issues, I want to track that because there's a lot of back and forth, like when Joey leaves to get his own apartment, once he's like successful and Chandler's resentment, but then there's also Joey's resentment when Chandler moves in with Monica. So I think that's something that to like, look back on and just see, like, how does that, how does that pan out in terms of the, like in light of the, that, those commitment issues with Kip? Yeah. I don't think I've ever thought about Kip watching this before. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there is a, this wasn't in the article, but I was just thinking Kip dated Monica supposedly at some point. Yeah. And so like, I wonder if that affects Chandler because we know he ultimately ends up with Monica and like, maybe he ha harbors oh. this like love for her and like maybe Kip did something to Monica. And so he's like really wounded in a lot of ways because of Kip. Like, yeah, that's a really good point. Well, I just want to point out a, a couple little background things that I that are new in the boys' apartment. There's a small bookcase adjacent to the kitchen island that sticks out um, that I think is new. I, I've never seen it before, but it has a porcelain pug statue like in the middle of the bookcase. And it's pretty big. It's like a foot tall. Mm -hmm. And then on top of it is a like black decorative beer stein. 
And it is only in this scene. It's not in any other scene after during this episode. So I'm like, the sign is gone. The pug statue is still there. But I'm like, I wonder, I just like wonder at the choices. I also just want to point out that another gross writing line, when they talk about the impressions in the butter leaving less than imagination. And I was just like, that's gross. Yeah. Like, Butter is hard enough to wash off. I don't like it. And why would the butter be sitting out uncovered? <laughs> are you animals? Because it, yes, they are. 20 year old boys. Yeah. There's probably butter that wasn't that like Monica brought over for a nice breakfast or something and they just left there. Yeah. But when Joey is talking to Chandler about Kip, he goes, let me ask you something. Is Kip a better roommate than me? It was just so cute. I know. They love each other. We head into Phoebe's massage place. I love the assistant girl, like the scheduler. She's in multiple episodes. I I recognize her. She is. That's Jasmine. So Jasmine is like integrated in the friends of Earth, like very much so even outside of working with Phoebe. She's played by Cynthia Mann. Jasmine is one of Phoebe's co-workers at the massage parlor. She is also Gunther's roommate. She's and a co-worker at Central Perk. Her brother is Isaac, who works at the Xerox store where the girl that Ross hooks oh, up with. Oh, yes. Works. So that's how, when Ross is going backwards to try to get the connections to Rachel. Got it. That Jasmine is like part of why they're all connected. Um, she also likely teaches yoga because in season eight, Mr. Trigger asks Ross to inform her that he won't be able to attend class. The only things I could find about her were that she was in Quantum Leap, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Veronica Mars, Angry Beaver, and Doogie Hauser. I love her. I love her voice and like her just whole way of being. She comes back a lot as Phoebe's coworker in multiple places she works. Yeah. When she's just like, oh, and you're three o'clock. I don't want this to sound professional, unprofessional, but yum. <laughs> but also, like, ill here's Paolo again. And usually when you're getting a massage, you don't, as the client, just walk in the room and surprise the massage therapist. Like, they come get no. you. <laughs> you don't just show up. Yeah, and they usually make you, like, sit with your feet in some water or something first and, like give you a cookie or a piece of apple and a glass of water. I'm sorry, what massage place are you going to? (laughs) I don't know. Are you sure it's a massage place? (laughs) Feed me. They're grooming you for something. (laughs) They're just like stuffing me full of food. No, but they make you wait and then, and like relax. Like they take you to a place where there's like nice music and curtains and like what this is the busiest brightest massage room i've ever i've ever seen i would not be able to relax like the walls are bright blue there is a candle by the door hanging on a rope candle holder that i was like every part of this is flammable this is not relaxing at all and then paulo walks in and he's like slimy as ever he gets naked He's kind of, he's like complaining about his back and she's like, she's just like, oh, I don't know what you just said, but even though she 
does know some Italian. You're not in the room as the therapist. The massage therapist takes off. And also you don't just like have the option of putting a towel wherever you feel like it. Like that's not how it works. No. <laughs> uh, this, so this is when we go to the coffee shop and Rachel's wearing, guess what? A velvet turtleneck, but I like the color. I like the color on her too. That like royal blue is great. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of royal blue, Phoebe comes in wearing that giant, giant homeless coat, but she has the <laughs> blue fringy bag the same one that she pulls the football phone out of in an earlier episode. And Rachel's talking about how she wouldn't, she wouldn't be able to not know the sex of the baby. But when she's pregnant later, she and Ross initially agree. But I want to, I want to like, guess that that's because Ross influenced her. Maybe. Yeah. Because she does try to sneak a peek at it when she's pregnant and find out anyway. Yeah. About you, he like bullied her into. Probably. Monica knows the sex of the baby and then she tells Joey and that like infuriates Ross. Monica's got some like pretty dumpy overalls on. Like I like an overall, but they're like linen or something. Dude, I was just like, I can't even talk about them. <laughs> but I, okay, I have to, I have to bring this up right now. What in the world is up with the cappuccino ladies in the corner? What is up with it? So it is the weirdest cut yes. to them. And it's the only, I think it's the only time in the series where you see that fourth wall. It looks like it, well, and it's a part we've never seen before. Like you yeah. said, it appears to have no one else in it, in that area. It's not connected to the main coffee shop set. Like what? I'm baffled. No, it is ugly. And it looks like it doesn't belong in the coffee shop as it, as the rest of it stands. It's in like the annex of the coffee shop. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. And it's just like, it's like they had to throw in this weird little two second scene with like angry ladies asking <laughs> for their cappuccino just to get Rachel out of the scene to go do something so that she isn't in the conversation but it's like so out of, it just, just was like so fragmented. Why couldn't it have been someone sitting in the window? Like, why does it have to be this whole new made up thing we never see? And never see again. It was so jarring. It was so, it was so nuts that I at first was looking at the women being like, is one of them famous? Because some sometimes like they'll have, you know, like Robin Williams and um, Billy Crystal show up at one point and I was like, are, is one of these women like a special person? No, like what? They are not. It, it almost looks like, like a, I don't know, like a college student's film. It's like something they just like cut in. It's so bizarre. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't either. It's so weird. I'm upset. <laughs> Had to just talk, talk about it and we can move on because we, it is literally like two seconds of film and then we never see it again. These four writers should not work together. I mean, they should like work independently and not together because I don't know what's going on. No, I don't like it. Follows <laughs> gross, we can agree. It's just like the shot of him, like they could have been so much more flattering and they just like focused in on his back hair. I hate the way he looks at her when he like, rolls over too I'm just like ugh. I feel so sad for her having to deal with that in her profession 
Yes. And ew, the way he grabs her is just like horrifying. It is, yeah. there's no mistaking it. There's no like testing to see if like, ooh, is she going to be into this? It is just like assault. Yeah, no, totally. They do a really good job at vilifying him quickly. Yeah. And of course, Russ is insisting that she tell Rachel, like, of course. Okay. I have a problem. I have such a problem with Ross here. And I think this is like the tipping point. First of all, he's just like pushing it, being like, it's a feminist thing. Like you you should do it, like blah, blah, blah. Like, and he's Ugh. clearly just like selfishly wanting her to know. So she breaks up with him. But like the way that Phoebe internalizes it too, is that like, she's going to hate me. It's my fault. I know. I think that like, actually they do a good job in highlighting that that is such a, quick knee-jerk response to that situation that women have is that like this happened to me so therefore for it is my fault and I like now the other woman is going to hate me for that when it mm-hmm. I clearly did nothing to like but but that's the way our society works isn't that sad because like I felt like in the 90s like things were pretty progressive. I mean, I was in junior high, but I didn't feel oppressed at all. And now looking back and like, like the, this is just the the way things work. And now there's a lot more, it's tipping the other way, not necessarily all the way, but like, yeah, women are to blame. Like women are the, you know, women are the cause, women are the drama, like deal it out with each other. Like the men can do what they want. It's just awful. I think this is reality though. And like, so credit, here's, here's my credit to the writers is that they did portray that this is something that is like the kind of knee jerk response that happens when women are put in this situation is that like, oh my God, I did something wrong here. And now I'm like, my friend is going to hate me rather than what they realize later is that both of you should be putting your energy into like, you both did nothing wrong. It is right. his fault. He that was his actions. And that shouldn't and I'm I'm glad that they wrote it yeah. in a way that they, they came together to say, why are we doing this to ourselves? Why are we apologizing? Right. When he was the one that did something wrong. And right. I I just that was something that was that I think saved the episode. Yeah. I was worried because I couldn't remember quite how it was going to resolve. And when she was like, Rachel's going to hate me. I was like, oh no. Like you could so easily see it going that way. Like Rachel getting upset about it. And um, I was so sad when she was saying that, that that's like the first thing you think when she did nothing wrong. And I'm, I'm glad they resolved it, but it is so sad that that's the first, like women are always apologizing even just like, oh, I bu- you bumped into me. Oh, sorry. Like, yeah, I'm so guilty of that all the time. Same. But like, Ross is arguing with her that she should tell Rachel it's a feminist issue, blah, blah, blah. But like, also, yes, she should tell Rachel. Not because of anything that Ross says, but like, this is a bad example. But like, if Tyler did something like that to me or someone we knew, like, I would tell you. Yeah. Whether I was worried about you hating me, like, you should know. It also made me sad, but I'm glad that they wrapped it up the way they did, like yeah. bonding, bonding over it. Mm-hmm. And Rachel makes the mature decision to not stay with him. And like, right. so that was, that was good. 
Yeah, agreed. And then they really lighten it up and go table shopping. Oh man, this furniture store, by the way, there's more than furniture. There's like an actual old fashioned pram. I think that's what it's called. It's like an old fashioned baby carriage, like an English Mm -hmm. baby carriage that's like displayed in the back behind the, the chairs. And I, and then there's like an urn or maybe like a gigantic trophy behind Joey on one of the shelves. I'm just like, what kind of store is this? I couldn't figure out if it, there's like chairs hanging from the ceiling. And I was yeah. trying to figure out like, is it a thrift store or like some sort of overstock store, like liquidation store? Cause that would make sense that it's like kind of a cluster. Yeah. But like, if it's like a real retail, right? Like store, I don't know what's going on. And the selection of tables and the organization is horrifying. Yes. <laughs> like they have a bird dining set and then they have a patio set next to it. And then they have the butterfly set with the ladybugs next to that. <laughs> like, what, what is going on? Uh-huh. I've never seen, I've never seen such dining wear before. <laughs> Did you notice the signage around this store too? No, please tell me all about it. Do you remember layaway? Yes, I do. I got a coat from Kmart at lay- on layaway. My mom got it for me. Okay. We clearly grew up in the same town because <laughs> I was like, I remember going to Kmart with my mom and putting things on layaway. And I, and I actually remember being in the back of Kmart, like you walk in the doors and you go all the way to the back where the appliances yep. are. And that's where the layaway was. Yep. And anything that was like over a hundred dollars, we would put on layaway mm-hmm. and you would have to fill out a slip <laughs> and, and put down, like write down how much money you were depositing. And as you made your payment, you would not be able to take that item home until you made all your payments through the layaway department. What a weird thing. I forgot about layaway. I did too. I'm like, because well now everything is like credit, right? right. Like we don't have real money anymore. We just have plastic <laughs> or, or phones. So it, it was like a weird blast from the past of like my childhood, but it's so funny that you were like, oh, Kmart. that's when I that's where I remember layaway too I think that might be the only place in town that had layaway I mean we only had two places to get close Kmart or (laughs) JCPenney I think they both had layaway oh perfect well this this shopping series is another uh example of marital strife between our boys yeah they have bad taste in furniture also um also terrible taste in their clothing their clothing options are you specifically referring to joey's grandpa like sleeping shirt (laughs) okay let me just talk about this for a second please this oversized white cream button-down shirt with the deep v (laughs) is made of a material that looked like a towel had a baby with a yoga mat (laughs) it looked like the most uncomfortable gross material actually is that if like a pringle was a shirt (laughs) it would be joey's shirt it is that like original color too (laughs) oh my god it and it's so oversized 
Oh, it's so bad. And the deep V, it goes down to like his, his like, wait, what is that? His sternum? The thing that you break when you do CPR. <laughs> great reference. Great reference. Oh my God. It's so bad. And it's like too short almost. Oh God. It's terrible. And, and I mean, like, like our friend at the beginning of the episode said from his article, like Chandler's outfit is not much better. I don't understand what's going on with that shirt he has on. The pattern is bizarre. It looks like, it looks like he was wearing a blue shirt or like a blue plaid shirt and he spilled pudding all the way down (laughs) the front. Like it's like this brown stain. <laughs> it's almost like someone took a silk shirt and took those patterns that they put on like the 80s western shirts yes. but it only got printed on like part of it <laughs> it's like those cheap knockoff like um almost like what's the material it's just like spandex t-shirts that have like bad print it's just been like run through a screen print that's just like the super thin and yes. like soft. I know exactly what yes. you're talking about. Yes. It's like that that just failed. Like the print yeah. didn't happen. Oh, it didn't stop. take. It didn't take. And the colors are so like sad and muted and it's tucked into his jeans. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So I do want to say that when during the scene, when Joey suggests buying the patio furniture for their apartment. I thought that was really funny because when Chandler rejects it, that is what they end up having to get later. (laughs) With the canoe. Yeah, I just, I thought that was so good. So I don't know if they knew that they were going that direction or they referenced it because they were like, oh, that would be funny if they actually got that because of that. (laughs) But regardless, I loved it. I loved it too. So we go back to the girl's apartment. So Rachel's packing for the Poconos. Her dress is really weird and her hair looks like garbage. Did you notice that? Yes. I, when you see it from behind, when she's yeah. sitting at the table, I was like, are you kidding? So at first I was like, I was really confused with the timing because she's packing Paulo's suitcase is ready to go she is not ready at all she's saying he's coming over are they leaving to go to the Poconos is he just coming over to stay the night and they're leaving in the morning like she doesn't look like she's ready to go she looks like she's just like in home packing mode wearing this weird dress but her hair is so like it looks uncomfortable yeah it does it looks like it's like glued in the back. Oh, yeah. It's all puffy. Like it's all poofy, weird. It's so bad. It's like she got in a fight with like a blender or something or like. A- yeah, it's not, it's not good. It's, it's not really good at bad. all. But Phoebe is clearly distraught when she sits down and like has trouble finding places because all of Rachel's clothes are spread out all over the place. I had to like wonder why is she packing in the living room? Great question. When I pack, I don't take all the clothes I own and shove them in the living room to then pack suitcases because I have like, I have a process that I go through where I'm like, I might want this. I might want that. 
these things go together, but this does yeah. not. I need a layer for this. This is going to go back. So I have to have direct access back to my closet and drawers. Well, what we forget is that you and I have neuroses and Rachel has none. <laughs> That's true. She probably just brought it back from laundry and has just dumped it all over the place. That's a good point. Or she just like really let, like she loves fashion so much. She really has to like spread it out and look at the outfits and her room's just too small. True. It really gave me a lot of anxiety because I'm like, you're going to have to clean all of this up. I can't go to bed until you clean all of this. <laughs> Although I also wrote down, no wonder Monica acts crazy because oh. if this is the way, if this is the way that like her roommate is, maybe she's just hiding on purple. It's true. I can't even be in here right now. She's just having a full-on anxiety attack yeah. in the other room. So I did want to want to list three things to know about Phoebe. So friends are the most important thing in her life. Mm-hmm. She never lies. And she makes the best oatmeal raisin cookies in the world. And I'm sorry, does anybody like oatmeal raisin cookies? Is that just me? Well, so I wonder <laughs> if they picked oatmeal raisin cookies because they are awful objectively the worst cookie like no one likes a healthy cookie like really (laughs) but if she's really the best one she's the best at making oatmeal raisin cookies then she does have a gift that's true the tin that she comes in with too I'm pretty sure my grandma had that same tin and that she kept thread in and I don't know what it's originally from um, my, I think my sister has it. And so I, I need to find out, but I think she has that same tin, weirdly. That's awesome. But also she opens it and I'm sorry, the cookies <laughs> are like, <laughs> what is going on? Like the size of a nickel. Yeah, they're bite-sized cookies. It's very strange. I, again, just need to say how much I hate oatmeal raisin cookies. Like if you threw a chocolate chunk in there, chocolate chunk, oatmeal, great. No one wants a raisin, like in no. anything. Raisins are extremely disappointing in a cookie. For <laughs> most baked goods. Well, so the cookie thing, though, does come back in season seven. It's late to us. When Monica insists on obtaining Phoebe's grandmother's secret chocolate chip cookie recipe, and she learns that is just a Nestle Toll House recipe. But yeah, we do find out later that Phoebe lies all the time. So (laughs) Not that much later either. (laughs) Yeah. This is such a real moment when she looks at Rachel and is like, Paula made a pass at me. And like, you can see like Rachel, Jennifer Aniston does so little acting and it's so real. Like she doesn't do much. She just sits there and sits with that information. And like, you can just see on her face, the processing. Yeah. You can see her go through like five different emotions without doing anything. But they're, you're like what you were saying before, their reactions to each other are so great and important. That was an important way to wrap it up. Yeah. So we go over to the boys' apartment at this moment and find out (laughs) that their shopping spree was a little less productive (laughs) or maybe better than what they had planned. This is when they're they're encouraging Ross to go be with Rachel. And it's about six seconds after she found out that he like tried to do it with Phoebe or whatever. Like she hasn't even seen Paolo yet to break up with him. So like, 
bad advice. Like, let's just wait like a minute, maybe five. The shot of them throwing the clothes out the window. Do you want to know some facts about that? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's real. They actually had a camera crew travel to New York City and a crew member went inside Greenwich Village, a building in Greenwich Village with bags of clothes and threw them from a very high floor of the building out a window. The window in the original broadcast is cut out of view and it's cut out of view of the uncut DVD version. But in the widescreen version, you can kind of see the window they throw them out of. But they like wanted that to be such an authentic shot that they had a camera crew go all the way to New York just to film throwing clothes out the window. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Isn't that amazing? I liked that. I like that too. I mentioned this earlier, but when Paulo leaves and Phoebe's at the fridge and she's just like, okay, bye-bye. And then Monica <laughs> just hands him the lasagna. And is like, I hate this, but heat this up and take it away from me. And how Ross just like, I think I can speak for everyone when I say, and then just slams the door. It was so satisfying. It was. They really all worked together to hate him so much. And I really appreciated that Ross's turtleneck sweater, another turtleneck, was not so insanely big compared to that like cream one a few episodes ago that was like swallowing his whole body. This one was like still still like a cable net turtleneck, but not so bad. I, I started to hate it in the bright lights of the apartment, but when he, when he went out onto the, onto the balcony, it was, it was fine. I do want to point out a lovely bit of acting by David Schwimmer when he's just like, I think like she really needs someone out there. And Monica's just like, oh, I'll go out there. She just needs one of us. And he does this no look grab of her <laughs> arm and like, pulls her back in so violently and he's like I thought it could be me <laughs> it was wonderful such a good sibling another good sibling moment for yep. them did you notice some background items on the balcony when they go out there that have never existed before no there is an orange chair behind Ross like bright orange um probably like metal but a bright orange chair with a plant on it that's behind him and then behind Rachel, there, which is like, I think where the barbecue was at some point. Okay. There's now like one of those snake plants, those like really long pointy leaves that are like standing up. Uh, and the chair, the chair with the plant on it has a lamp hanging off of, I don't know what above it. And it's like pointed right at the plant. Like you can see it's like a little metal, it looks like a heat lamp for little chicks. That's my reference because we up with little chicks in her house but it's outside that's on the balcony oh. and like but i don't know what this lamp what the lamp would be hanging off of i don't know what's attached i don't know one that has like a clip on it or something but it's only pointing at the plant and i'm very confused i don't know that's <laughs> i a good catch because i didn't notice any background thing I was too caught up in their chemistry. <laughs> Ugh, I wrote, <laughs> Rachel kind of sucks also. Like She does. Ross has been sucking, but she kind of sucks too. I actually thought that Ross did a good job, or David Schwimmer did a good job with also minimal acting. But when he's like looking at her and is like clearly like, are you okay? And he just tells her to like, come here. 
And she just kind of like comes in for a hug. Like their chemistry is very evident and he doesn't, they don't have to do a lot. Like, and he's saying like, you don't like, you need someone who's going to like love you and like, like who deserves you. And she's just like looking at him so aloof. Like she was bothering me, but I'm just like, he's right there. You're right there, Ross, right there. And then she just is like, oh, we got to swear off, guys, blah, blah, blah. And then the chemistry dies <laughs> right there. And he's just like, he crosses his arms. <laughs> like the whole scene changes. He's just like, okay, um, all right. That moment, I mean, there was another moment where he was like, you deserve so much better, blah, 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 like me. I love you. I would never do that to me. It doesn't take much more. You just got to go a little further. Yep. And like, you know who says I'm swearing off men? Someone who just got very hurt. Like that is just a thing you say to protect yourself. You know what he could have done? He could have kissed her. Yep. Then he could have said, except for me. Yep. And then she would have been like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, throw a line like, well, I'm going to make you make it hard for you to say no to me. Yeah. Although that sounds creepy. That sounds like, <laughs> <laughs> no, like no, non-consent. No. Yeah, no, no. We want consent. But, you know, like something, like, come on, get some balls, Ross. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Change your mind. Just change your mind. Yeah, change that's your mind. That's all it is. That's all it is. Or not even change your mind. Just let her know there is an option. She doesn't even know there's another yeah. option. Like, she can make up her mind when she knows that there is another option to consider. Yep. So she comes back in and like the girls like take her into their arms and is like, oh, we'll take care of you. Did you notice that Phoebe is eating the lasagna? Oh, is she? The non-vegetarian lasagna. Phoebe is eating it out of the pan. I wonder, have we heard much about her being a vegetarian in this season yet? I think they haven't established that so much. No, but she had, we've heard her sing a song about not, eating dairy which also would be not true if she's eating that lasagna right well god i mean who can give up cheese I know. um but she because she did grab that turkey on the thanksgiving one and like really pull it apart so i wonder if maybe they just hadn't really nailed that down yet maybe later. well ross trots in after after rachel comes in and he's like being all rossy like he's all up in arms and like defensive and perturbed <laughs> Floopy. Yeah, floopy. But that's when Rachel accidentally reveals that he's having a boy. And I think that's that's like the actually this the part of the episode that I'm like, oh, this is the part of the episode that I remember when he's just like, I'm having a boy. Yeah, he did want to know. I mean, I, he's definitely got like Monica's got the most neuroses of the two of them, but he, I mean, they're definitely related. Like he's got some neuroses and control stuff too. And so it's probably like, I'm going to control this thing that's out of my control by not knowing the sex. That might be too much therapy, but, <laughs> but his freak out was so good. He did such a good job. The tag, I mean, like we're, we really get a, the first real good insight into monica's competitive nature yeah when they're up until 2 30 (laughs) a.m playing foosball and she just it will not quit until they physically remove her and she doesn't know the terms and she won't leave and she's winning 
and I love that they're like we gotta go to bed and they like carry her out and then they're just like well we're gonna keep playing right oh yeah yes. yep and they're so cute in their robes I know I love their robes their little yeah. plaid robes fuzzy robes you know who um has a robe like that poor Potter he's the best on that note <laughs> We, had a, we actually had a lot to say about that one that we didn't like that much. Yeah, it was still a good friends episode, but uh, I've liked better. Yeah, let's cut down the number of writers, guys. Yeah. Hey, guess what? We do. And it's better. We'll move forward. We All we have to go is up. That's true. We are going to have a guest, our first guest for the next episode. I'm so excited. We'll see how that goes. It's going to be a good guest gonna be a great guest top notch i love you i love you too and bye friends bye friends i wave every time i know i love it so much (laughs) your mouth open you're like a grandma on the front porch bye i just got a glimpse of you at like 80 oh great i can't wait (laughs) better friends podcast is created produced edited and all the other things by ashley madden and sarah reinen Please rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Send us your questions to betterfriendswatchingfriends at gmail.com. To find out more about Better Friends, please check us out on Twitter at betterfriendpod or on Instagram at betterfriendswatchingfriends. Thanks for listening. <laughs>